0: your girl rebecca and lily and you're listening to just, just ghouly, ghouly things, things. Ooh. Ooh. hey boo thanks and welcome back to just ghouly things the quarantine spooky story special episode 63 and we are your boozy hosts, rebecca and lily hey so all morning while i was having my breakfast Mm -hmm. I started this thread that I think I'm going to start on our thread on our Facebook private group. uh, Like Mm -hmm. us at Just Golly Things podcast group on Facebook. And um, it went pretty viral in this one group that I'm in. So I thought I'd move it over to our group. So pretty much I took a picture of myself from I think it was like seventh or eighth grade. And it's me wearing a a Hollister T-shirt with these braids in my hair with my greasy bangs and my small glasses, holding okay. up a I'm burning up for Jonas poster that I made Ugh. for the Jonas Brothers concert. I love that picture. But this is the thing that gets me and why I posted this, was looking back at this picture, I remember exactly why I did my hair the way I did, why mm-hmm. I wore that outfit, and why I brought that poster to the, to, to the concert. So I was, I think, like 33 second row or something it was at hershey park and i swore because 32nd row seemed really close that Mm -hmm. my outfit and my popping hair um with this sign that says i'm burning up for jonas so it seemed like i was horny um Mm -hmm. the jonas Brothers, specifically nick jonas who i was obsessed with would see me holding the sign would spot me out of a crowd of thousands fall in love with me we'd get married and then because we had purity rings we, would, we wouldn't have sex until after getting married but we would have uh-huh. sex inevitably so um, this whole outfit was planned so that my future <laughs> husband which was Nick Jonas would notice me in a crowd of probably like tens of thousands of people <laughs> and I thought this was the outfit that,
1: that's it that's the outfit
0: I literally thought with my parents at like an 11 year old concert I was going to marry Nick Jonas and get laid from this outfit. So, um, yeah, I'm going to have you guys post all your embarrassing photos. Um, you can uh, you could tag us in them on Instagram at Just Cooling Things Podcast. Like I said, I'm probably going to start the thread on Facebook because it's just easier to post pictures and see other people's pictures. So mm-hmm. like our Facebook private group, which is Just Cooling Things Podcast group. And yeah, so. Uh, I think we should start that. It'll be something fun to do during this quarantine. Oh, absolutely. I got to find some old pictures. I was going to say, Lily, you need to find... I know you have some good ones. You're a theater kid. You have tons of embarrassing photos. I know god! I
1: think 89% of my photos are embarrassing and the other 11 are just sad. (laughs) Just pitiful. Just depressing to look at. Like an ASPCA commercial. It's awful. (laughs)
0: taking the picture you thought in that moment this is going on my facebook and this is going to be my profile picture
1: absolutely couldn't tell me nothing
0: absolutely nothing all right lily so the reason why we're here i'm gonna read five scary story encounters liz is gonna read five scary story encounters and then you guys are gonna get creeped out with all of us yeah speaking of getting creeped out lily did you see the video i posted on our instagram yesterday Yes, and I am not okay.
1: <laughs> I was, like, trying to, like, look for where the edit is and everything, and I'm, like, watching it like like fucking, like, <laughs> a film critic. So I can be like, it's not going to happen to me, not going to happen to me
0: tonight when I turn my lights off. And you probably shit your pants. So I, I was at a bonfire yesterday, social distancing, and... <laughs> Um, and one of Mike's friends knows that we have this podcast. And he's like, I don't listen mm-hmm. to podcasts, but, like, I know you have a paranormal one, so, like, I'm just sending you this video. Like, it's crazy. Like, you just have to watch it. And I watch it, and I literally jump so much that my phone almost fell into the fire pit. Oh, shit. <laughs> it was like, all right, this has to go on just gooly things podcast. <laughs> <laughs> See, I'm always thinking of you guys. All right.
1: There's not a day goes by that we don't think of our boo thing.
0: Not that we have a choice because we are recording every single day. Yes, we are. All right, Lily, put your hair up and let's read some scary stories.
1: Here we go. My hair is back and I'm good to go. (laughs) All right, my first one is called Experience in My Teens, and it's kind of long, but it's good. I've wondered whether to post on a group like this for years with others who have experienced the same or similar. I'm now 30, married, etc., but when I was 15, I lived with my mother and brother in Wales, UK. I moved to this house when I was 8, and nothing happened until I was around 15, which I don't understand. My mother has always been into the paranormal, regularly visiting places and part of a group and some communities. My great-grandmother read tea leaves, etc. I don't remember how it suddenly started. I would watch TV before sleep. I had a double bed, and only mine and my brother's were upstairs. The house was a converted bungalow, a dorm of bungalow, as we say in the UK. My mother's room was downstairs. I just remember feeling like I wasn't alone. I chalked it up to my imagination or watching movies too late. One night, I just felt a weight next to me, the weight you feel when you lay down on a bed. Every night, it seemed to happen. No, this was before iPhones, etc. I wish we had those then. So easy to take a picture now. This was 2004 or 5 and onwards. I would feel and hear breathing next to me, the weight only on the bed when I laid down to sleep. I remember sleeping with the TV on and the blanket pulled up so I couldn't see anything. I was afraid I'd see something. I continued with that same presence every day I would feel it. One night, after maybe a year of this happening, me and my then boyfriend were arguing. We went to sleep, and we woke in the night after a nightmare. He said he couldn't see the man, but he was chasing him, snarling, and all he could remember was wide eyes. He never slept over again. I did tell my mother after feeling the weight so close one night, and she was mad I didn't tell her, but she did, clean, she did cleanse the room. Forgive me, but I can't remember exactly what she did, but I think she burnt sage and something else. That night was terrifying. I couldn't feel, a, I didn't feel awake, or hear, but I could hear stomping in the tiny, hall, a tiny hallway between my brothers and my room. I know it's silly, and but I know it wasn't my brother. You learn your family sounds. This was marching and pacing, up and down, and not stomping, angry footsteps. I called out my brother's name, and it wasn't him, but I tried it. I felt the door shake and the handle move. I did not leave that room. I really needed i really needed to pee, but I was just so scared. The pacing was all night. I told my mom the next day, and she did the ritual everywhere, and that night there was nothing, nothing at all. And when I step in that house and room now when I visit, I don't feel anything. I guess I don't understand what it could have been. The house was a bungalow, and the last person died there. He was an older man and his room was my mother's room downstairs. The upstairs room didn't exist yet. Uh, Thank you for reading this all, and I'd love to talk about it, and if anyone has any similar experience, or is more experienced in why it acted this way and how it came to be, let me know. What does it mean and how the room was cleansed? Thank you. Smiley face, The
0: end. Huh. So... It seems like there's maybe some... Do you think it's one spirit or do you think it's a couple?
1: I feel like it's just one spirit that's, like, maybe kind of intelligent but doesn't give a fuck that there's other people there. That's
0: what I was thinking because I I was on the fence of whether it was residual because the pacing back and forth, like, Mm -hmm. why were they doing that? Um, But it does seem that maybe they are acknowledging that there is someone there. Exactly. There are people living in, in that space. Uh, but like, what, what do you take from this? Do you think it's an evil spirit? Do you think it's a...
1: Just I mean, a... I think it's probably just a chill spirit that is just doing its spirit thing.
0: <laughs> it's like, just <laughs> doing my job here, folks. Nothing to see here. <laughs> Nothing to see here. Ugh, Did you say how old this person was when this happened? Like 15. 15. Yeah, so it's not even like you could... Well, I mean, obviously, imagination is imagination at any age, but at 15 years old... I don't think your first impression is that immediately it's going to be something paranormal. You try to try to have some logical explanation behind yeah. it. But clearly, clearly, sometimes there are things that we can't explain. And that's why they are paranormal. Okay. Mm, which one am I going to do? I'll do this one. So I figured I'd share my experience with living in a 200-year-old cabin. Ooh. Yes, a 200-year-old cabin. So this... All these things happened over a span of 3 years that I lived there beginning in 2012. A childhood friend from years back asked me if I would be her roommate. I needed out of my parents and she needed a roommate. Seemed like a good situation. Now, for the house. Nestled in a suburban area was his cabin. The cabin dates back to sometime in the ni- in the 1700s, we think. The road the cabin is off of bears the same name as the original family of the house. They owned a large portion of the land that is now one of the largest cities in the United States. Search American colonial cabin and you'll see a swath of images that looks like it. We originally think it was used as slave quarters as this is a tobacco, tobacco country and then later found out as a stable house. The stable house theory checks out as our dog dug up a horseshoe once. I still have the horseshoe. So, a lot of it seems like a lot of history here. Yeah. So, the night we moved in, I knew the house was eerie. No doors to the upstairs, my room, no doors to the downstairs bedroom. Her bedroom was an addition that someone added in, on in the 80s. The previous owners also added a much needed kitchen and bathroom, as the original layout did not have either. Now that you have a decent imagery of what I was working with, I'll start with why I'm posting. So when moving in, I immediately felt a feeling of being watched. The house always felt dark, cold, moist. Oh, hate that word. Much like a cellar. (laughs) Par for the course with that type house, but there was something else. It started with scratching. Every night I would be in bed and I would wake up to the scratching directly underneath my bed by my head. At first, I thought it was mice, but then when I listened to it long enough, I realized that the scratching was a long draw, like a foot-long pull, then repeated. I just covered my ears, muffled, uh, covered my head, and closed my eyes. I was 23 years old, by the way. I felt like I was cowering, but I was not about to tussle with some wood-scratching spirits, so I don't <laughs> care what you think. <laughs> All right, so one night, I heard, start. Normally I would have been asleep but this time I was up late and heard it. It started on the ceiling on the far side of my room. Then it went down the wall, then scratched its way to directly underneath me. After a while the scratching went across the room and back to the wall, then gone. Here's why it's not mice. My walls were solid wood as the inside logs were the same as the outside. The floor had no space in between the ceiling below and the floor above. Like I said, it's an old cabin. All right, so I'm going to speed this up before I hit post limit. I got scared and started sleeping downstairs. Roommate, now wife, asked what's up, and I told her. She said same stuff was going on when she's home alone. This is in the first week. Here's the creepy part. So when we moved in, I had to unscrew all the screws that the previous renter had put into the windows. Screws in the windows? Okay. Okay. I, I had to unscrew one of the exterior doors that he screwed shut. We had to clean out the weird rabbit food we think was rabbit food from the oven. We had to write doesn't live here on the hundreds of mail order catalogs and previous renter received. We always joked that the guy was a shut in Satanist. But now I don't think we were too far off. <laughs> we both started sleeping downstairs in the living room and felt comfortable in numbers. The eerie feeling was easier to deal with if someone was with you until one night. I had a dream that a dark forest was approaching me. It was in third person as if I was watching myself sleep. The entity starts looming over my head, and all the while I feel a pressure building in my head and a high pitch ringing in my ears. It got so intense that I sprung up from my sleep and looked around the room. About a second later, the TV shut off. Just cut off. We had been having problems with the TV randomly turning on and off, but this time it was far too coincidental to be brushed off like everything else. Also, I knew I went to bed with the TV turned off. I cut it off myself, so why was it on in the first place? We started sleeping in her room after that night. She told me nothing really happens in her room, maybe because it was an addition? I don't know. Well, our ghost played matchmaker, and now we're trying for a kid, married five years. Anywho, once I was upstairs reading and I was falling asleep, my window started opening and shutting. I was already at my wit's end with the spirit, so the next day I set up the same situation. Same thing funny never does that when i'm not in there i ended up yelling telling it to leave us alone and i was tired of its shit and holy smokes it kind of worked for a while then when i was home alone alarm clocks started going off as soon as my wife would leave drawers would open banging on the front door then it just stopped slowed down ultimately to nothing i guess as i matured there it stopped messing with me Today, my in-laws live there. They were my landlords, and the home is cute, homey, and warm. I spend time there alone, and I don't feel any malice. Weird experience. I would do it all over again if I had to. I'm open to questions. This is 100% real, and I can give further details if necessary. That sounds like a movie. Right? A fucking spirit brought you guys closer together. I think this spirit was actually a matchmaker and was doing all those little shenanigans to get them closer
1: bit of
0: matchmaking spirit because hear me out hear me out if it weren't for the fact they were scratching on the in, in his room he wouldn't have moved to the living room and sleeping together they were moved together because they were freaked out by the experiences mm-hmm. and then it moved over to staying in her room wink wink nudge nudge and then as soon as they decide they're going to be together they get married now they're trying for a kid Now the in-laws live there, and every time he goes there, it's, like, all happy and warm and cozy. It's kind of like the spirit was, like, giving tough love. Like, look, I'm going to give you shit until you figure out this is your soulmate. Yes. Mm -hmm. And then after that, it's all, you know, happy and cozy and everything.
1: It's a cute way to look at it. It's like a Hallmark movies and mysteries type kind of moment.
0: Okay. No one take this idea we are selling this to Hallmark, even though it's not our story. (laughs) <laughs> we need to make this into a Hallmark holiday movie.
1: Yes. Oh, I love Hallmark movies. Like the, the
0: holiday ones, the Christmas ones. I've only watched like one or two, but I want to... This this winter, I will definitely make it a point to get into Hallmark movies more because they're so fucking corny.
1: They, they are. But they're addictive. Because they're just, they're just like fluff. Like there's nothing you know everything's gonna work out
0: yes that's what i need that's what i need in life i need reassurance that everything's gonna be okay yeah all right what's your next story Lil? my next story one second okay my next story
1: is called i'm currently possessed by a malevolent entity that's in love with me oh oh yes okay I'm a 19-year-old female, going to try not to be all over the place with this, but it'll happen. (laughs) I need help, advice, people to relate to, people who can literally help exercise me or get it out from their house or come to me, Austin, Texas, anything, anything, anything. I'm going to start by saying both my mom and I have mediumship potential, and my mom opened the Ouija board door for her when she was very young, oh boy, um with one she made by herself with her friends. Oh, Lord. Yeah, which is worse because it's more personal. My door has also been opened, fucking unfortunately. (laughs) Um, I'm sure y'all know very well, anyone with mediumship potential will be followed and picked on more and more, and definitely if you live in in a haunted house too, which we do. It started as soon as we moved in. The house alarm went off before it was even set up, Shit falls all the time. My mom heard me calling her in my voice um, over and over and over again multiple times. My very young sister has had her name whispered to her. They knock on doors often. Something slammed its fist on my mom's office door once, which is now my room. That same one showed itself to her as pissed as hell. My stepdad saw him too. My mom seen a ghost walk right through her. A few years ago, I heard all my furniture moving around in the living room for like 10 minutes. My ex and I heard a little kid laughing right outside my bedroom um, when we were making out, (laughs) etc. We've had a medium friend come in and help us talk to four members of our family. Those are the only positive experiences we've had. I always talked about about for so long that close to nothing happened to me as if there was someone or something blocking it. I'm probably the easiest to scare, too. Up at literally all hours, high as shit, walking around, etc. I ended up... This is such a 19-year-old girl writing that. <laughs> um, I ended up being right that something was blocking it. This malevolent entity that has literally possessed me was protecting me from the others because it was his job to fuck my life up for himself on his own terms. This is the same one that's been here since we moved here who made the alarm go off and slammed on my mom's door and showed himself to her. We have another close medium friend who has gotten a lot of spirits a lot of spirits out of the house. So many have been attached to my mom. She even got the first one out that I'm talking about forever ago. If they try hard enough and if they're strong enough, which he is, they can come back. They can also hide and make it seem like they're gone when they're actually there because the medium friend had zero clue he had been back at all. He attached himself to the fireplace when he died. That was something this friend knew. Something was always up with the fireplace. There's also a portal-type thing going on, which has been there for a long time. Longer than I can comprehend. Thousands of demons and ghosts have passed through because of it. So, when this first one came back, he sort of fell in love with me a bit. This is why he was protecting me from others. He dropped it about five months ago when I opened the Ouija board door. Yes, I'm insanely fucking stupid, I know. (laughs) Since then, of course, I've had a ton of malevolent ones attached to me um, doing horrible fucking things. I literally even know uh, they ghost rape me all the time. Oh, my God. Um, So the medium friend who helped who helped us talk to past loved ones, gave me a pendulum oracle a few years ago. She didn't tell me close to anything about it. Definitely not that it's almost the exact same thing as a fucking Ouija board. Huge red flag here for anyone who wants to use one. Especially the case if you lived in a haunted house and or have mediumship shit. First, it was amazing. I used it to talk to my spirit guides and a family member who is now a guardian angel for me. I was so fucking happy. I found out some things about my life were uh, part of me wishes I didn't know that happened in my childhood, but I'm still very glad I found it. I also found out that they can hear my thoughts, my guides, and angels. Oh, shit. I'm going to pause real quick. If anyone can hear my thoughts, I'm sorry.
0: (laughs) I am so fucking sorry for the trauma you're going to deal with listening to the thoughts in my head. Exactly. Exactly. Alright, sorry, back to the story.
1: I figured this out because I could use the pendulum without talking out loud. So literally, probably my second day using this thing, the first ghost I've mentioned, his name is Sergio, saw the opportunity and hopped right on. The second he was on my pendulum, he was in my head too, able to read my thoughts. He can also use my head, any limb, or my entire body at once to move back and forth for yes and no like a pendulum. I am literally the fucking pendulum. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> He'll do this whether or not I'm talking to, the, to him, obviously. The best part is, since most ghosts and demons can hear each other's thoughts, every single demon and ghost in my house can now hear my thoughts. Please try to imagine that. Most people's worst nightmare, all of this. He also has been manipulating me um, throughout all of this over and over and over and over again. Obviously, I'm literally possessed even fooling my spirit guide multiple times, unfortunately. So I tried to get him out the first day. This started maybe three or four days ago, and it didn't work. The person we always go to to get them out tried, and it didn't work. We have someone coming in on the 30th, but that's obviously so fucking far away. I need someone sooner. I don't know what to fucking do. In the meantime, my friend and I have called on... Um, Archangel Michael, the same angel the medium friend calls on to get them out, to protect me and help re- and help me relax a little bit for two weeks. Obviously, it's still in my head, though, including everything in the house, and I can't do this. I need someone way stronger to help get it out. Also, obviously, have so many ready to pounce on me as soon as this thing is gone. I'm using crystals, sage, and Paolo Paolo Santo as protection. I I wasn't using any of these before this happened, so I'll definitely need a fuck ton of tips on what to do. (laughs) Edit. I literally completely forgot to mention that I'm also an empath, so I feel everything the spirit feels, every emotion you can think of. I can even tell when it laughs. I really doubt it would be this exact case with just anyone, but who knows really. There also has been a ton of things I figured out about the afterlife, heaven, hell, and whether any of it is real. Angels, demons, ghosts, what works for protecting and what doesn't, what your body does to help you get rid of it without you knowing, what you definitely need to do to make sure you keep up with this if it happens, or if any ghost is attached to you, etc. I can go into it if people want. It's extremely interesting, and some parts are just insane for atheists to hear. A lot of my views have definitely changed, and y'all know that's hard for an atheist to say. The (laughs)
0: end. All right, this person needs to write a fucking book because her life is fucking bananas. I know, B-A-N-A-N-A-S. Like, ghosts are even wanting her. Like, why are you so obsessed with me? Pretty much. Pretty
1: much my thoughts, exactly. I'm about Uh,
0: i can't get it out (laughs) okay yeah i want to hear this person write like a whole book because that that experience like that experience and the way she was writing it too like she was so nonchalant about this (laughs) like she's like yeah this is my life yeah what else is new yeah there's a demon in love with me whatever it's nothing different day same ghost obsessed with me you know no big deal so next story is grandma tried to serve ghost coffee (laughs) My grandma used to tell me stories about when she lived in the house my dad grew up in. She didn't realize it, but she was a very powerful medium, so she would see things. Well, one of her stories was one morning she was coming downstairs to the kitchen. When she walked in there, there were three ladies sitting at her table, clear as day. They were talking to each other and then looked at Grandma. She smiled and said, hello, and they exchanged pleasantries. Grandma, the good hostess she was, offered them coffee. They said that they would love some. Grandma went to make the coffee with her back to the ladies and when she turned back around they were gone (laughs) I I always thought that she was a badass miss you Graham the end I love that (laughs) I just love this story because it's just so sweet and short and innocent like this little grandma's so used to seeing spirits in her house she's like you know what I'll just make you some coffee you must have been been up all night trying to scare my son (laughs) let me let me hear let me get you some espresso honey (laughs) Pretty much,
1: yeah. I feel like I feel like that's
0: some shit my grandma would do. Both of my grandmas. So I, that's just so sweet. I love I love that story. I I read that story a couple times before we before we started recording, and I was like, this. I have to put this in. I know it's so short, but it's so fucking cute. It just makes you
1: smile. Yeah. All right. My next story is called "I Lived in a Nursing Home." Okay. When I was 15, I lived in a nursing home. My mom worked there. At the time, we were living in an already haunted home. I posted about that on here before. That was falling apart. We had to move out fast, and my mom was close with the owner of the facility that she worked at. The owner knew about our situation and offered us to stay at the facility. There was an entire wing of rooms that had not been used in years. It was kept clean, but no one stayed in it. The owner of the facility told my mom that we could have the last two rooms at the end of the hallway across from each other. The doors to the wing were a big heavy ones that were really loud when they usually that were usually really loud when they were being used. The staff and residents didn't use this wing because there was nothing in there for anyone. It was just rooms with beds. Things were fine for a while. The only thing that I felt for the first few months um For the first few months there was that our wing never felt empty. The walk down to our rooms felt creepy. It just felt like there were people looking at you. The first small thing that happened was one night my little sister and I were goofing off with my mom's phone while she was working. We were recording ourselves talking in silly voices and making silly sounds. At one point I had the phone recording but my sister and I were silent. We didn't know what to do or say anymore, so I stopped recording. The next day, we went through all the recordings so we could hear how funny we sounded. I forgot about the last recording having no sound, and I played it. It was silent for a second, and then we heard a sound that sounded like someone drawing in a deep breath. We were shocked and really scared. The next thing that happened really scared me. It was nighttime, and my mom was working. My sister was across the hall sleeping, and I was watching TV. It was a normal night, nothing out of the ordinary, when all of a sudden the door to the room I was in started getting pounded on so heavily it sounded like the door was going to bust down. I was startled and said, Hello? No one answered. As the pounding was going on, the door handle started shaking like someone was trying to get in. Mind you, I always left the door unlocked in case my sister woke up and needed me for anything. The pounding on the door was so violent and so loud I was afraid it was going to wake my sister across the hall. As it got louder and harder, I got scared, so I went and hid in the bathroom that was in the room. While I was in there listening to the ruckus, I thought, wait, if someone came into the wing, I would have heard the doors open and latch shut. I knew then that there was no way there was an actual person banging on the door like that. It went on for about five minutes, and then it stopped abruptly. I was shaken, but went out into the hallway to see if there were dents in the door. There weren't, and there was no one out there either. I went in to check on my sister, and she was sound asleep. I went out and asked the staff if they they had heard anything coming from our wing, and they said they didn't. I even asked if a resident had somehow gotten into our wing, and they told me that everyone was in bed and accounted for. I also knew it wasn't a resident. There was no way any of them could have pounded on the door that violently nothing ever happened again while we lived there luckily
0: the end it was definitely a pissed off previous resident mm-hmm. of that nursing home just trying to speak his or her mind trying to make definitely sure that they a former are not,
1: resident who's just not having any of their bullshit mm-mm,
0: absolutely none at all they are like i will i raised hell while i was here and i will raise hell in the afterlife i want my pudding Damn it! But yeah, I, that's a, a weird situation that only she was able to hear that too. Like the sister was sound asleep, as mm-hmm. if nothing was going on, as if it were directed to her. Maybe she's a sensitive or something.
1: Yeah, maybe there's some kind of connection there. Yeah. Okay. Or maybe she had done something that, like, she doesn't even remember that pissed the ghost off, and that's why. That's true. I mean, how old know. is she? Ghosts, ghosts are sensitive too.
0: That is true. Well, how old was she in this story? Did she say? Mm-mm. No, as I was gonna say because if she was younger, you know, I've done so many dumb things as a kid. I mean, clearly, like talking about the Jonas Brothers poster and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was just a tip of the iceberg. So I can only imagine how many spirits I probably pissed off in my childhood that I offended or just bothered the shit out of without even trying. So she probably did mm-hmm. something too to antagonize it and didn't even think yeah. about it. Okay. My next story is, we'll do, um, hmm, we'll do this one. Uh, Encountered my sister days before her murder. Ooh. My sister and I had been separated and raised by different parents. I was six years older than her, and when she was 17 in 1991, we began to warm to one another again since she was just on her way to college and would be freer to visit one another. I was raised on the East Coast, and she was raised out West. One night, I had a very realistic, more than a dream. It felt like a visit. I was walking along a sidewalk near my apartment when when it started to snow sulfur. I could smell it and feel it. I walked along, and shortly an illuminated Pacific Bell payphone stand appeared in front of me. My sister walked out from behind the stand and handed me the receiver from its cradle. She said, call me. I asked her, when? How will I know when you're home? She replied, ask my father. He knows when I will be there. This is the part that really threw me. She looked over her shoulder at a light in the distance, and under the lamppost near a dark wall were five male teenagers with their hands in their pockets looking at her, "'waiting for her. "'They had brought her there. "'I felt that they were good helpers protecting her. "'She then looked at me again and said, "'I have to go with them. "'Do not forget to call me. "'Then it all lifted away and I woke up with a start. "'The next day I was at work "'and I couldn't stop thinking about her. "'It was all day of this nagging feeling "'that I had to do as she asked. "'I couldn't stop thinking of her. "'We hadn't spoken in six months "'and I wasn't in some time crunch "'to be in contact before that day.' I called her father at his work, and he told me exactly when she would be home and that he would make her wait for the call at a certain time because the time difference was tricky. That night, I called her, and she was telling me all about her prom that was to take place the next night and about how she had time to visit me that summer before college. It was a peaceful and very happy conversation. The next night after prom, she was murdered by a boy she barely knew who was friends with her date. She was shot at point-blank range in the head with a gun that was manufactured no more than one mile from where I was raised. I passed that plant every day on my way to high school. The murderer had a gun at the post-prom party and was waving it around and teasing people. My sister told him to stop. He ruminated and brooded about her. A few hours later, he killed her in the early mornings as she slept. When I got the call from her parents about her death, it felt like an out-of-body experience of sheer horror. Then I immediately thought about the call. I realized suddenly that a fired gun smells like metallic sulfur. The Pacific Bell booth was to reinforce that although I was on the East Coast, she could be contacted by phone, and the young men under the light were some kind of guides who helped her. I'm not sure why she came to me, except that we had a lot of unfinished business in this life. Her contacting me was extremely helpful in accepting that at least we connected before she died. I still think of her, even if it's for a fleeting second, almost every day. The end. That is heart-wrenching. So sad when you hear anybody of that young age, and in that situation, too, of just trying to enjoy your senior year of prom, you're Mm -hmm. at an after-party with all your friends, you're with somebody that has a fucking gun, which, why the fuck do you have a gun at a post-prom party? All right? That's bullshit. Yeah, it's so unfortunate. But it is, if there is something positive to take from this experience, is that this sister, the other sister that wrote the story, was able to kind of have a sign given to her, and she followed through with that sign of reaching out mm-hmm. to her sister one last time and having a really good conversation with her um, before she passed away.
1: This definitely was a sign. And I think it also goes back to us saying, trust your gut. You Mm -hmm. know, if you're thinking about someone all day, call them. What's the worst that could happen?
0: Especially in these times of quarantine, there's so many people that, you know, their anxiety's through the roof, their depression may be a little more heightened than other days, just because a lot of people are alone during this time because, you know, we're trying to social distance. So Mm -hmm. it doesn't hurt to take five seconds just to text that person you haven't talked to in months. A lot of times we let, like, our egos get in the way and... We're like, oh, well, they didn't reach out to me during this quarantine. I'm not going to text them first. And it's like, just put that shit to the side. Be the bigger person. Text that person that you haven't heard from. You never know how much that can make someone's day.
1: Yeah. All right. PSA is with Lily and Rebecca. I love it. The
0: more you know. <laughs> All right. What's your next story?
1: All right. My next story is called Strange Grim Reaper Figure. Ooh. When I was a young team. I went to—teen, not teen, sorry. Oof, I'm out of it today. (laughs) (laughs) When I was a young teen, I went to a sleepover at a friend's house. I was one of about five girls there, and as the house was pretty close to the shore, we decided to take an evening walk down to the water. It was a strange evening. Our usually boisterous group was walking very quietly down the street. It felt eerie, like we were being watched. I asked my friends if they felt it too, and they all said that they did. We ended up getting too freaked out and only made it about halfway to the beach before heading back to the house, looking back over our shoulders the entire way. We ended up watching a movie, Spaceballs, I believe, in their rec room, and I fell asleep with my blanket on the floor. I awoke very suddenly sometime in the middle of the night. The room was dark and quiet, but there was someone standing right above my head on the floor. I looked up and saw a tall, dark hooded figure i didn't see any face at all but it felt as though it was looking at me intensely for some reason i wasn't scared at all instead i tried to make sense of what i was seeing my family at the time collected movie posters and cardboard cutouts from our local theater my half asleep brain decided that this must be something like that and i rolled back over and went to sleep thinking someone in the house was trying to play a prank on me the next morning i woke up and ran downstairs to eat breakfast with my friends I laughed and asked who was responsible for the prank, but all I got was horrified stares from everyone in the room. The end. Ooh, spooky, kooky, hooky. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Why is this? Like, imagine this- you're at a sl- you're at like a slumber party, having all kinds of fun, and out of nowhere, like you're all like you know however many of you together trying to have a good time walking down the street and it's just not the vibe and you get back you go to sleep you wake up and there's the fucking grim reaper standing right above
0: you just like hey what's up what's going on guys i'm bored
1: i wonder what would have happened if the person who wrote this got scared
0: like you think that feeding into the fear would make it worse maybe i definitely believe that showing your emotion to spirits whether it's good or bad any sort of energy just builds any sort of spirits up even more Mm -hmm. that's why then when people say if you're around like demonic spirits to not show any sign of fear and to show whatever faith you believe in and be strong and confident in it because the Mm -hmm. less confident you are the more they like can suck the energy out of you which is so ah, i don't know if i'd be able to deal deal with it personally but
1: I yeah, I, I, I would definitely hype myself up. Like, I could totally pull it off, but there's no way.
0: It's so weird. Like, when you, you were telling the stories and stuff like that, my, like, screen started to, like, glitch. It was weird. <laughs> Very spooky, kooky, ooky. Kooky, and, then like, it kept freezing. Kooky. And I was like, I don't think you guys can hear it. I'm like, why is this freezing? <laughs> <laughs> okay. My next story is, uh, we'll do this one spooky camp story that no one will repeat. Background. From 93 to 98, every summer I attended a Christian youth camp for girls. Camp lasted four days, three nights. There were about 200 girls at the camp, and it was about a a one-and-a-half to two-hour drive away from our homes. Some of the camping areas were tent-only, others had A-frames, and at least one of the camping areas had longhouses. The campground was called Ensign Ranch. Kittitas County, Washington, I think. You can also look online to see pictures of what these different camping areas look like. It's a really safe campground, and we had a lot of fun every year. In the evenings, we would tell spooky stories pretty typical stuff for youth camps. Apologies for the long post, I want the details to be clear. On the last night of camp in '96, I was 15 at the time, there were several of us girls on the top level of our longhouse. It was past bedtime, so we were quietly telling scary stories. I told a couple, one with the help of a friend, I'll call her Lily. (laughs) I don't remember the specific stories from that night Just typical, and the hook was hanging from the car door type stuff (laughs) We all know that type of story Um, After a couple hours of spooky stories, someone else was talking And I was getting really tired and could hardly keep my eyes open Then some of the girls asked me to tell one more story So I start telling a story, making it up as I go Just typical, on a dark night in the woods not far from here type of beginning Next time I know, I wake (laughs) up lying flat on my back As I'm waking, I realize I'm still talking, but once I became aware of my own talking, I couldn't remember what I was saying or trying to say. I was fully awake then. I finished by lamely saying something like, they all died, the end. I looked around (laughs) me at the girls, who were all staring wide-eyed at me. A couple of girls were quietly crying, mouths open in horror with tears streaming down their face. (laughs) My friend Lily whispered, that was the creepiest thing I've ever heard. (laughs) The girls that weren't crying nodded in agreement. I said I was tired and we should all go to bed. As all the other girls moved away to their sleeping bags, I asked Lily and the other girl, I'll call her Sarah, what I had said. I admitted to them that I had fallen asleep and couldn't remember anything. Lily and Sarah exchanged glances, and Lily paused before saying, that just makes things worse. Sarah nodded in agreement and said she didn't want to retell it because it was that creepy. Now, at this point, I had been... I had been, it had just been Lily and one or two of the other girls that were in that group I would have thought they had realized I was asleep and were just messing with me but Sarah was and still is a very serious person who doesn't have much of a sense of humor doesn't like pranks, even innocent ones and is honest almost to a fault so I went to sleep feeling unnerved but exhausted nonetheless so a few hours later I was being shaken awake by one of the adult camp leaders she told me to gather my things and follow her I sleepily and awkwardly carried my stuff down the ladder, then followed her outside. The two other camp leaders were standing next to a tent. They told me to put my items inside and then come talk to them. Inside the tent were two of the younger girls, 12 and 13, that had been listening to the scary stories and who had been crying when I was waking up. They wouldn't look at me. They laid there sobbing. Uh Uh-oh. When I went back outside to talk to the leaders, they said Lily had showed up at their tent with the two sobbing girls. The girls were crying and kept saying they wanted their parents to come get them. Lily explained about the scary stories and about mine being the one that made them cry. The leaders asked them... Asked me what I had said. I admittedly said I would fallen asleep and honestly didn't know. The leaders said Lily refused to tell them what I said, and the two girls just sobbed harder the more they tried to talk to them. They explained to the girls that they weren't going to call and wake their parents at 3 a.m. and have them drive over an hour just because of spooky stories. Plus, we were all going home the next day anyway. As punishment for scaring the girls, the leaders made me sleep in the tent with them while the leaders went to sleep in the longhouse. The girls cried for a bit, and then we all fell asleep. They were both gone from the tent when I awoke in the morning. To this day, I have no idea what creepy story I told. No one that was there has ever been willing to tell me any of the details, and several years afterward, Lily told me that she would randomly have nightmares because of it. The only details I ever had answered were, my voice sounded the same as usual, my eyes remained closed for the majority of the story, which creeped them out even more, and the story was coherent and made sense up until the end when I lamely finished speaking." Again, if it had only been Lily and a few other less serious girls, I would know they were just screwing with me. But Sarah and most of the other girls that were there, including the one that cried most of the night, even being a part of a prank on me just didn't seem probable. The end. Oh God. It's like she got possessed or something. It's, I
1: was thinking that. I was thinking it's like it's like she felt like got possessed, kind of went quote, to sleep. Uh-huh. And, and the ghost or demon or whoever possessed her was just like, all right, let's fuck with these little kids. <laughs> yeah.
0: Let's roll, baby. <laughs> that That is really creepy, though. And I think more than anything, the person that was telling the story should be the most creeped out because they don't even mm-hmm. remember what they said. Like, where would this have come from? And I want to know what story it was.
1: I'm dying to know what happened. Mm-hmm. But right. the world may never know.
0: Never know what happened in that long house. <laughs> All right, what's your last story, Lily? All
1: right, my last story is called A Dark Figure Approaching in a Lonely Alleyway. And I purposely saved this for last just because it sounds so spooky kooky yucky Definitely. This happened in the early 80s. I must have been about eight to nine years old back then it wasn't a big deal for parents to leave kids unattended in cars while their parents went into stores or went shopping one time my dad who although did had a great job was always was a wheeler dealer i don't know what a wheeler dealer a is wheeler dealer. he just loved the art of buying and selling things for profit
0: let me look that up real quick a wheeler dealer seems like some i guess like maybe flipping stuff let see wheeler dealer There's
1: someone who engages show. in commercial
0: or political scheming. There's a car show. It's like, it's a, uh, a car enthusiast and internationally renowned car designer work together to new, give a new life to rundown classic automobiles. I okay. don't know.
1: No, huh. if you or someone you know knows the true meaning of Wheeler dealer, email us at justglowingthingspodcast@gmail.com. <laughs> Anyway, so um, he just loved the art of buying and selling things for profit. So one time he was going to deliver something that he sold and collect the money. I asked him if I could go along with him. Sometimes he'd stop for ice cream or a hot dog, so that is probably why I wanted to go with him. I remember this night so vividly because it is etched into my memory from then on. It was nighttime, probably not super late, but but it was dark and the street lights were on. We pulled up into an alleyway. My dad gets out of the car and goes through a gate and disappears. I am playing with the radio in his car, just sitting in the middle of the front seat. My dad is gone for what seems like a long time. I look down the alleyway and just see brick walls and a few garage doors. The alley didn't have a lot of homes attached to it. It just seemed like brick walls all the way down for about half a block. All of a sudden, I see a dark shadow that looked like a tall, skinny figure walking really slow and trying to stay out of the light. It's coming towards me, but almost like slow motion. I'm trying to look to see who or what it is. I know immediately something is not right, and, like, it's just a man walking down the alley. I can't explain it, uh, but I'm super scared that uh, as it's within a couple car lengths away. I panic and jump around the car to lock the doors. My dad's old caprice is a four-door, and I jump to lock every door. As soon as I swing back, I look in front of me. The figure is gone. I am scanning down the alley. No garage doors are open, and the time it took me to lock the doors wasn't enough time for the person to climb or run by or run back from where he came. It just disappeared. What seemed like a long time, my dad finally comes back to the car and tries to open the driver's door, so I had to unlock it, and he just gets in, and I must have looked like I was scared, panicked, or something. He just joked with me about being scared to be by myself. The end.
0: Oh, and dealing with that by yourself, seeing something slowly creeping up to you? Especially when you're only eight or nine. Oh, hell yeah. Are you kidding me? I probably would have just tried to get out, like, get out of the car and just run as far away from whatever was trying to chase me as possible.
1: Absolutely. Yeah, no, I would not have stayed in that car. I would have gone out and and tracked my dad down. Oh, definitely. Definitely.
0: But uh, definitely could be what? Like a shadow person, skinwalker, perhaps.
1: Ooh, imagine seeing a skinwalker when you're only eight years old. That shit would change
0: you for life. For life. And the fact, this person's clearly older now and still remembers this story as vividly as they do. Definitely traumatic. Yeah. Okay, so my last you. story. Yes, it is titled, Is This Proof of a Past Life? Input Requested. Okay, so my son is 15 now. What you are about to read happened when he was a baby. My son began communicating when he what he needed when he was a newborn. He didn't verbally speak, of course, but at about two weeks old, I noticed a change in his crying pattern. At times when he cried, he would be making normal cry sounds, but other times he would throw an aha sound in one with the sobbing. I finally figured out that he only cried with the aha added when he wanted a bottle. If he had a wet diaper or some other issue, he would cry normally. But at the times he wanted a bottle, he cried the usual "W,ha" crying because he would include the aha, ahas in between sobbing. I hope this makes sense. It's so much easier to verbally tell the story. So, (laughs) anyways, it really made it easy to know what he was crying about for me. And for him, it made it easier to cut to the chase and get his bottle right when he wanted it. And he would not have to wait while I checked for his diaper, etc. This happened every time when he was hungry that his crying would contain the aha sounds. It got to the point that I called his bottle his ahas. And I would say, oh, you want your ahas to him? It was very advanced communication for a one month baby, I think. Oh fuck yes it was.
1: One month. It's like that big baby that's all over Twitter. I can never even communicate. No, wait, wait, what was it? There's this really big baby that's all over the internet. That's fucking horrifying. It looks like he's like three feet tall, but it's a baby.
0: (laughs) Where is it from? I have no idea. What are they feeding this child? It's a bunch of aha bottles, I guess. (laughs) there's something in those ahas this baby literally can communicate and i still can't communicate to my boyfriend what i want to eat like what the (laughs) fuck okay anyways fast forward to when he was about eight months old he was on my lap and i was looking on the internet working on a logo design the client had a water company and was looking for a logo the company wanted to some sort of symbolism for water but without using a water drop or a faucet so I was looking through different types of symbols images, hieroglyphics and other things to find something that symbolized water I ended up on a website showing the Mayan language t- tiles or glyphs. The Mayans used glyphs to communicate sil- syllabically Syllabic- syllabically I don't know, something with syllables rather than alphabetically <laughs> As so I was sub, sub, it says syllabically I don't know. You guys get the picture. But as, <laughs> as I was scrolling through these symbols, my son started to giggle, and, I kept, and he kept reaching his hand to the screen. I kept putting his hand down and out of the way so I could see what I was doing, but he kept doing it. Finally, I looked to see what he was grabbing for. His hand was grabbing at a certain part of the screen. It was a tile that showed a picture of a stream running down a mountain. I clicked on the title to see what the meaning was. The name of the title was Aha, and its meaning was The Liquid of Life to a newborn baby a bottle to them is definitely a liquid of life so this story is 100 percent true i personally believe that my son had some sort of past life as a mayan he was far too young to have learned this from somewhere else what do you think this is so this kid literally was able to point out a specific logo that was mayan and like kept pointing at that specific one, which happened to be named Aha, which is the same thing he calls his bottle, which is a liquid. And that Aha means the liquid of life.
1: So I don't know what language the Mayans spoke, but
0: which sounds really stupid. Wow. Um, like, I. But what did they. I mean, well, I. Did. I don't know. What did but they. But either way, the
1: baby speaks that language.
0: Here, let me Google it. Oh, definitely. They. I a thousand percent believe in reincarnation. I don't know if everyone... Well, I don't know if everyone's reincarnated, but I just feel like there are so many stories out there of people, of especially younger kids, remembering parts of their past life that how how else would they know certain details, you know? I love past life stories. They're so interesting.
1: And it gives you, like, a little bit of, like, clarity and hope sometimes, too, that, like, okay, it's not just this one shot. You know, you get you get to come back and in another time and you know experience loved ones and stuff and sometimes like the one that we have where um the baby got to pick her mom
0: yes that was so sweet yeah that's a sweet one i remember that one
1: i wrote that in my mother's day card actually Did we? did you really yeah i said there was a story on the podcast about babies picking their moms and if we did that then i
0: picked right oh did Amy appreciate it? I know, am the best it? kid in the world. Amy better have appreciated that.
1: She did. I'm always, I stay bringing up the podcast in inappropriate situations.
0: <laughs> it's never an inappropriate situation to bring up the podcast. <laughs> I go to a party, once the pandemic's over, I'm bringing up just ghouly things. If you go to a rave, you're going to bring up just ghouly things. Wherever we are, we are bringing up just ghouly things, and we hope you guys do the same thing. Oh my god! I would
1: bring so many flyers to Camp Bisco this year if they were having it.
0: Wah wah wah! <laughs> on that note, guys, that concludes this episode of Just Ghouly Things: The Quarantine Spooky Story Special, Episode sixty-three. Thank you so much for listening. And Lily, do you have anything to add before we wrap this thing up? Um,
1: check out that big baby on Twitter because it's
0: pretty fucking fucking spooky kooky ooky. All right, look up big fucking. babies. <laughs> fucking big babies. These fucking <laughs> big babies over here. <laughs> All right, let's start with the social, shall we? We shall. Follow us on Instagram at...
1: Just Fully Things Podcast.
0: Personal Instagrams at Rebecca Ruber and... At Lily Baldessari. Twitter. JGT Podcast. Facebook Like page. Just Fully Things Podcast. Facebook private group. Just Fully Things Podcast group. Donate to our Patreon. Just Blue Things Podcast. And if you or someone you know has a paranormal experience you'd like to share on our show, feel free to email us at just at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, Boo Things, and we will talk to Boo tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.